Totally Football Show. Today, from Wanyama to Obama, top Premier League goals and drama. There's Big Sam's Football Karma, Juve, top banana, and even a mention for the Vanarama. All in the Totally Football Show as we round up this football panorama. <laughs> Sadly, no uh, Adam Lalana this weekend, otherwise we would have been uh, very happy. But making up for it, more than making up for it, is Michael Cox. Hi, James. Jack Lang. Hello. Et aussi Julien Laurent. Bonjour. Bonjour to you, Julien. You've got a top stat for us, haven't you? I do. What's it about? It's about uh, how many nil-nils have been this season in the top five European leagues. Okay, I'm already excited, listener. I knew you would be. Yeah. Uh, a quick shout out to uh, Indian listeners, says Daniel Liggett, please. Exams coming next month. Go for it, Indian listeners. Julianne, is there anything else before we start talking about the football? Do you want to know where I was last night? Where you were? Neymar's. Were you at Neymar's birthday party? Of course I was. I was obviously invited. Yeah. Uh, that's what I do. Uh, Pavillon Cambon near the Place Vendôme that you know well in Paris. Big party up to like six o'clock in the morning. Then I caught the first Eurostar back, but it was pretty good. It's a very convincing account you give. <laughs> Perhaps you could flesh out uh, with one or two details. Yes, who, who was there? Yeah, so the dress code to start with, because I had my uh, my tuxedo, black tie for, yeah. for men, and for ladies it was uh, long uh, dresses. Okay. Uh, but Isabel Goulart, for example, Kevin Trapp's girlfriend, I can tell you there was not much of a dress in there, but, you know, still... Uh-huh. That was the dress code. Uh, Ronaldo, the real one, the fat one, was there. Oh, phenomenal. Oh, phenomenal. Lewis Hamilton, I was told, was there. I didn't see him myself personally, but okay. I was told he was there. It's a close um, shave. All the PSG players, obviously, staff, Unai Emery. And was Unai Emery there? Unai Emery was there. Edison Cavani was there. Got drunk pretty quickly. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. Uh, and Antero Enrique, the PSG sporting writer, coming in with a bouquet of flowers. I'm not sure if that's for Neymar or his girlfriend, Bruno. Was Lucas Moura there? there? No, Neymar's Lucas. best friend. I know. It wasn't there. Okay. Was Neymar's sister there? Neymar's sister was there. Neymar's son was there from a previous relationship. Okay. Uh, obviously, all the family. Michel Temer, the Brazilian president, what? flew over. Yeah, flew over from Brazil. Right. Is he applying for asylum while he's at it? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a good question. It's it's like Theresa May rocking up at Harry Kane's uh, birthday party in a few years. Right, and we all know how badly that went. Yeah, exactly. So no, I I was not there, but I think it was very good from what I've I've I was told. It certainly sounds like an amazing party. Yeah, I want to ask you and you, Jack, about Lucas Moore a little bit later on. He didn't feature when Harry met Salah as. I think that's the that's probably the the line of the season. Matt Stead, I think, got there first with that one. Football three six five. So well done to him. But what an entertaining match it was as well, Michael. It was a fantastic game. I was thinking it was one of the best games that I'd seen on about eighty five minutes, and that was when there was still about ten minutes of incredible drama to come. It was just a fascinating match from start to finish. I think Liverpool did what Liverpool tend to do, which is start very well with their pressing, and then they just seem completely exhausted by the second half, and I'm not sure that Klopp was able to change the game. Was it Was it that, do you think? Was it tiredness rather than some kind of tactical shift from Spurs? I mean, it was partly a tactical shift from Spurs. I think they moved back to their kind of 4-2-3-1. They had players coming inside into the pockets of space. But I thought Liverpool just looked really drained from that early pressing, and, and they not only were they not able to press, but they weren't even really able to counter-attack as well, which is usually what you expect with Salah and Mane. But to be fair to Pochettino, I thought he did well. He brought on uh, Wanyama, who I thought had an impact even you know, regardless of his incredible goal. Mm. And uh, I, I thought it was a, a victory, if you like, for Pochettino in terms of he was the one who managed to change the game. And I didn't think Klopp really responded. The only thing Klopp did really was... Um, have a go at the refs. Well, have a go at the ref. He also put on an extra centre-back, which is kind of your last resort. And I thought that just opened up the midfield and increased the pressure on Liverpool. But more than anything, it was a fantastic game. And a pretty special goal from... Well, two goals, but the second one, especially from Mo Salah, no? Yeah, glorious. Following on from what Michael said, I thought it was a funny kind of game because although there was excitement, I don't think really any of the attackers were on the top of their game. Obviously, Salah's performance punctuated by a scandalously good goal. But other than that, he was a little bit wasteful. Isn't he always there, Jack? Yeah, I think he needs a few chances to bury them, but then he gets in good positions. I think that's credit to him rather than a, a criticism. But Firmino didn't have a great game. Mane didn't have a great game. None of Tottenham's attackers, I thought, were particularly impressive. So it was a an odd game that has four goals and ends up being very exciting, but in which the attacking talents aren't really on their game. I thought 
like Michael said, Tottenham came out very well in the second half. There's a little bit more. Uh, I think the fullbacks pushed on a bit more. Ben Davis was getting a bit more space. Didn't always use it very well, but created a little bit more uh, room for the attackers by bombing on. And obviously, the last five ten minutes were pure pure drama. Well, yeah, we'll talk about those in a second. Hear me out on this, but does Liverpool's defence deserve some credit for, for this performance? Did they, by and large, shut down? But no. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Harry Kane, like, like Jack said, you know, were really quiet. I thought uh, they played really well when they were pressing in the first half and then when they played deeper in the second half because they were, like Michael said, quite tired or they look a bit jaded and and club was clearly reluctant to change something in midfield. So I thought they did well. I thought Van Dijk did well until obviously that incident with, with Lamella. Right. And what, and what so about Carrius? Would you find that a heartening performance from the Liverpool keeper? No, I've got an issue with Carius, but you know, you know, you know that I still don't think they can win anything with him in goal. Uh-huh. And I think the Wanyama goal, as good as the strike is, he should have never, he should have kept the ball. Carius should have never pushed it back like that in the center of the of the of the pitch either. So, I think he did some good things, and he's not a bad keeper, but he's not the keeper that will help this team winning something big. Okay, the last ten minutes was certainly dramatic. Uh, Harry Kane strutting off the field. What did he say afterwards? Uh, you can't give me two goes at it. Did you see that? Did he say that? Yeah, yeah. yeah as okay. he's leaving, yeah. he kind of talks. Yeah. He, he, he can't give me two chances, is it? Fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of discussion about the penalties. I'm not sure. Do we really want to get into all well, of that? I, I mean, the rules, the rules. I no? think the only thing we should say is that from Dermot Gallagher's explanation afterwards on Sky, they got everything right. Mm. And to do that at the end of such a draining game, you know, it's not easy to give two penalties against Liverpool in Anfield when the atmosphere is like that. They seem to get everything right. So thanks to them for getting everything right so that we can just talk about, you know, what a good game it was and how good mm. the goals were. Yeah, David Priest, for example, saying the last 10 minutes of this game, a great case for not using VAR. You know, because it would have been a completely yeah, different what's experience. What's weird, though, is the, the chat between Eddie Smart, the linesman, and, and John Moss yeah. about the, uh, the, the first penalty where the question he says is, has Lovren touched the ball? And then John Moore said, I don't know. And then ask Martin Atkinson, who shouldn't be looking at the TV, but and doesn't, ha- doesn't even wait for the answer and said, oh, I'm going to give a pen. So he's not really sure Lovren has touched the ball. Martin Atkinson, there's no one else confirming that he touched mm. the ball. And but that's what so you have to do. So either he goes referee. with his, to what, he guessed it, basically. Yeah, surely that's what refereeing is. You, oh, referee can't estimate. guess. Referee can't guess. I mean, well, he got it right, so fair you enough. You have to say what you think thought happened. Yes, you can be so, not sure of something, but still have an inclination that that's the decision you can Yeah, get. but he says to Eddie Smart, I've got no idea if Lovren touched the ball. Did he say, I've got no idea? Yeah, he said, on they showed it on Match of the Day and they mm. subtitled it. And Eddie Smart says, we have to clear about if Lovren touched the ball, because if he touched the ball, then he's not he's on side. If yep. he doesn't touch the ball, he's off side. And John Moore said, I don't know if he touched the ball. Right. And then he said, Martin, Martin. You feel bad for them because he probably didn't so, realise it was being picked up by the mics. Yeah, yeah. But it could have been a lot worse. Imagine the conversation they could have had. He could have wanted to say, I know, I know. What Did are we going to do see? now? Talk to me. I have to look busy. <laughs> or something like that. Could have been all broadcast. Did you see it? No, I was watching some, some girl in the stands. What, what happened? Yeah. But if he guessed it, well done to If he didn't guess it, well done to him. If he guessed it, he got a bit lucky, maybe. I don't know. But it mm. looked like he was not so sure if Lauren touched the ball, which is obviously the key. The key part of that incident, that penalty. All right, Julian, was it a fair result? Um, I, th- I, th- I can see why Liverpool are angry. Oh, really? Yeah, because the, it's the second penalty I'm a bit... It's the, it's the hazard against Arsenal penalty. I'm not sure every contact means it's a pen or every contact means it's a foul. Mm. You know, football is a contact sport as well. It's not MMA, but it's still... And I'm not sure there was enough contact there for a penalty. And I think Lamela is clever, but... I just don't... Yeah, I'm not so sure. Mm. What do you think, Jack? I thought the second one was a penalty without without any doubt at all. There right. was a, but a fair result? Uh, probably, yeah. Just yeah. about because Liverpool were better in the first half. I didn't think Tottenham came out with any particular uh, rhythm or conviction. And then Liverpool faded, Tottenham grew into it. I, I think it was a very fair result. OK. Arsenal, this means they're closing in a little bit on the... The group of teams in front of them now four points behind Spurs. We'll, we'll talk about Arsenal's game in a second or two. They're next up, of course, for Spurs. They'll have a chance to reduce that gap to one point next weekend. Then, of course, after that, Spurs have Juventus. That's a week tomorrow. Wow. Juve, who were 7-0 winners this weekend against Sassuolo. Oh, they've, they've also got Newport. Of course, they've got the, re- the return. Yeah, at Wembley. When's that, then? Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. Right, that's all quite dramatic, isn't it? Um... Lucas Moura didn't feature for Spurs. 
A lot of people are asking uh, Jack and Julianne for your views. Uh, Simon Wilson was on here on, on Thursday describing Moura as a kind of cheaper uh, Coutinho. Is that a fair description? Similar kind of player? Well, I can speak more about his time in Brazil. I guess right. Jules can follow up. But no, I, yeah, I don't I see him as that kind of player. He's uh, What kind of player is he? Pace is his main asset. Uh-huh. He's... Uh, always used to be anyway kind of a head down player now and again we'll pull off something very spectacular cruise past a few players and score but he's a little bit uh, frantic for me he's not always his end product isn't always the best he's can look a little bit one-dimensional when he's when a defense figures him out so I, I would say there's very little chance of him being a starter I see him as a, a plan b or an impact player really Jules? he has great potential he really has. It's just he needs to find a way of fulfilling that potential. And maybe Pochettino would be better than Blanc or Emery to do that. But the potential is there. Like Jack said, the pace is amazing. The skills are great. He's fantastic. If you go on YouTube in terms of showboating and doing skills and dribbling, it's, it's amazing. Can he do that in the Premier League with the intensity and the physicality? I'm not sure. Can he adapt his, his game to the, the way Spurs are playing? Mm-hmm. Not sure either. But if Pochettino is clever with him, it could become for 25 million quid. A very, very good signing. I understand. Is there anything you want to add about Liverpool Spurs before we move on, Michael? The only thing I'd say is I think it was quite a good representation of what the Premier League is about at the moment, mm. which is just really heavy pressing, really frantic. And maybe a lack of players who can just slow the rhythm of the game, put their foot on the ball. It wasn't really any kind of deep-line playmaker there who could just say, right, we're going to have a five-minute spell where we just get control of this. Um and I guess that's why both sides conceded two goals. And yeah, I think it was a fair result. I think Liverpool much the better side before half-time. Spurs much the better side after half-time. The only thing I'd say about Pochettino is he did change things. Maybe he could have done things earlier. Because I think Spurs kind of wasted the first half not really doing much. But uh, I really enjoyed the game. I think the big games between the... The big six this season have been generally very entertaining. Yeah, looking forward then to uh, Spurs against Arsenal next weekend, particularly after what Arsenal did this weekend with uh, their exciting new attacking setup. And we'll talk about Arsenal Everton after this. Listeners, our partnership with Paddy Power helps to keep this podcast free. And speaking of free, when you join Paddy's Rewards Club, every time you place five bets of £10 or more on any sport in a single week, Paddy will give you a free £10 bet the following week. Sign up now at paddypower.com. T's and C's apply. Max £10 bonus per person per week. Specific odds required. Exclude shops and cashed out bets. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Saturday evening at the Emirates. Arsenal 5... Everton won. You were there, Michael. I was, yes. The atmosphere, and this was from TV, seemed a little bit muted despite the extraordinary dominance that the Gunners were enjoying. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily agree. I mean, in the second half, I think the game was over, so it was a bit flat. But there was a genuine sense of excitement when those two players were announced before kickoff. And, uh, you know, Arsenal are a club who, they're not really accustomed to massive name signings like that. And it is just quite exciting for surprise. I think it's... Big signings, almost as much as victories these days, tend to really excite supporters. So, yeah, yeah, I thought the atmosphere was quite good and a Saturday evening game helps, of course. Absolutely. With their recent history, there might have been a slight suspicion that it doesn't matter who goes there, they'll only end up arsenaled. (laughs) Yeah. But based on that performance, do you think that it will be they that drag the Gunners to a whole new kind of spectrum of of potential results? Well, they're very good players. I still think the improvement will probably come next season. Um... It was a very good display against an Everton defence who were completely disorganised. And it was the perfect introduction for someone like Mkhitaryan, who's very good at finding space mm. and had loads of it because Everton really had no idea what they're doing. But that's not to take anything away from his display. I thought he and Ramsey combined very well. I mean, he set up two goals for Ramsey. Yep. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just a good all-round performance. Ozil, I thought, dropped deep and, and dictated the game very well. Aubameyang started on the fringes of the action, but if you get a goal on your debut, you've, you've pretty much done your job. And I was I was uh, very impressed with Aaron Ramsey. I think he's going to be an important player because I'm not sure Aubameyang and Ozil, good players though they are, I don't think they're really goal scorers. I'm not sure they're going to get into double figures. So I think you do need someone to get into the box and provide an extra goal threat. And, you know, it's his first hat-trick of his career. And I quite like the fact that he, uh, in the in the build-up to that third goal, his third goal, he looked over and he saw Jack Wilshere about to come on. So he knew that basically he had now or never. 15 seconds to get his goal. 
And he did. Which he was did, nice. didn't he? Lots of Arsenal fans excited about this. Andrew Lang says, have Arsenal had the best January window ever? Do they now have the best attacking triumvirate in the league? <laughs> Den Sharma, can we get some credit for Arsenal? Making the most of the Alexis situa- situation with his uh, replacements and re-signing Ozil when most people thought Ozil was leaving. H. Nair Wonderful, the confidence of Aubameyang's finish. No AFC striker has shown that since the original number 14, Henri. Can the pod please comment? Jules, is this a, a brave new dawn for... Yeah, it might well be. Or was it just Everton being really bobbins? No, well, there's that as well. I think Everton were, helped them a lot to have that kind of debut for Mickey, like, you know, home debut for, for Aubameyang, Mickey Tyen, and all of that. It won't be like that every week because I still think that Chaka is not the player to play with Ramsey and Ozil and Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang. So what happens when they play Spurs then? If they play the same way, they're going to potentially get so exposed defensively that they can they can struggle. But they also will have a lot of space to run in. So there's a point where it depends where the balance is between the two. Um, I think, and we said it when when the swap between Alexis and, and Mkhitaryan was was done, that Mkhitaryan was far more of an Arsenal type of player than Alexis ever was. And I think you saw that on Saturday, like Michael said, with his movement on the ball, off the ball especially, you know, he's, he's fantastic for that. Um, but I still think that the balance of the team, there's, there's a problem somewhere. And it was only Everton, so that was OK, although they considered a goal. But against a better team, Chaka and Ramsey behind those, it will be Ozil, Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang, I don't think is, is doable. OK, all right then. Good bit Everton bad. Uh, horrendous, yes. I looked at their lineup and, well, I don't know what I was expecting, but because each passing week it gets harder to, to predict what Allardyce is going to do because he doesn't seem to have a any continuity to his plans. This team, with perhaps you could see what he was trying to do with the three pacey guys up front, but Balassi hasn't really shown any form since he's come back. Walcott, he actually did okay, but then got taken off early. But then you've got those guys up front but you've got no one in midfield to find them with those nice passes. You've got Idrissa Gay and Morgan Schneidlin, both of whom are quite limited on the ball, I think. And it's a small thing, but I thought it was quite uh, revealing, was that late in the first half and also into the second half, you've got on the bench Gilby Sigurdsson and Wayne Rooney, two people who can play those balls. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got Morgan Schneidlin taking corners and free kicks, and I thought that was uh, just very an instructive thing that he didn't really get it right at all, Allardyce. And there's a kind of baby Bartwater situation. So I, I'm, I think I'm right in saying Rooney and uh, Sigurdsson both started in the week. Then he gets rid of both of them and brings in the pacey guys. There's no continuity and no real surprise that they were absolutely outplayed. So Ed at Dixie 60, who asked how much was yesterday's thrashing at the hands of Arsenal Allardyce's fault or the players' fault? Would you agree, Michael, it's Big Sam there? Well, I mean, I, I kind of get what he was trying to do and just, like Jack said, uh, go completely for the pace. But the defensive organisation was so bad. I mm. mean, uh, Which was ironic because that's what he'd pinpointed about Arsenal yeah. quite publicly. I mean, Mangala went into the team and just didn't really seem to know what he was doing. He was continually trying to play a high line against Obama Yang, which Ashley Williams was just having none of because Ashley Williams can't keep up with Obama Yang. It was, yeah, it was just a bit... It, it was really surprising, actually, to see an Adidas team playing that badly one point on Walcott if I may to go back to what I said about Arsenal not really having a goal scorer in that line of three I'm not sure Alex Iwobi is the man you want playing alongside Ozil and Mkhitaryan you'd want someone kind of bombing forward and getting in the box and Walcott fell out of the side in part because Arsenal changed system and they didn't really have room for that kind of wide player coming inside but on Saturday was the first time they played 4-2-3-1 for about a year mm. and they kind of needed a wide full I mean I know they scored goals but Walcott could actually be of quite use, and you know, some or Oxley Chamberlain even. No? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think uh, I think they do need goals, extra goals from that front wow. four, despite the fact they scored five on. Uh, even though they've Saturday. got Lacazette and uh, Ozil and uh, Aubameyang and. Yeah, I'm Mkhitaryan. not sure about Lacazette and Aubameyang together. Oh, here we go again. Don't know if it will work. Come on then, Jules. No, no, it's only no. But I'm only joking with Michael because we said when when Aubameyang signed that. He thought I was too kind with Lacazette yeah. in my hopes that maybe they could try playing, Wenger could try playing them together. He said on Friday that it's in, it's in his DNA to try to put all like his best players on the pitch, which means that he could play Mkhitaryan, Ozil, Lacazette and Aubameyang together. I'm, right. 
I, I want to see that. I'm not sure it's going to happen, like Michael said. But Sounds like, like bad news for Granit Xhaka, though. <laughs> <laughs> if he's putting all his best players on the pitch. In, in all seriousness, I think that probably has been one of Wenger's problems over the years, trying, trying to get trying to all get... his best players on the pitch together. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas compared to Sir Alex Ferguson, would play someone like Park, who was probably never one of best Man, uh, Man United's best players, but he'd do a job in those big games, yeah. usually against Arsenal. All right. Big Sam has written off the season. <laughs> No, he has. He yeah. said, uh, I think we need to write this season off. But Those are his words, which well, is kind of interesting. He, he can't say that. Exactly. I don't think he can Big say Sam that. Big Sam can say what he wants. Well, he does, yeah. I'm not even sure he's been that good since joining Everton. I'm sorry, but... Figures would back you up, I think. I was not keen when he signed, and mm. I'm still not keen either. And at the beginning, he was so happy because they stopped conceding goals. And he said, you see, it's so easy to stop conceding goals. And now he concedes goals like... Crazy. So I, I get what he means, but you really can't say that. You can't say that to fans who are going up and down. The also to travel. players as well. Yeah. To, well, I mean, if he means that they're going to build for next season, fair enough. But you've got to give the fans some kind of hope that they're going to see something. You know, got, give them a reason to turn up. Basically. Yeah. They're tense right now, Everton. They're seven points off the drop. You'd think that they were safe enough. You'd think. But then who knows in this crazy uh, season? Adam Ola-Lutman, Quick mention for him, who. Everton uh, let go, and Sam as well. There are more words from Sam here. He was he was pretty furious actually. He'd chosen to go and join Leipzig as opposed to any of the other places. I'm not sure what what options Everton had offered him in 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 this country. He says uh, we tried to persuade him not to because I think it's a big challenge for his development. This going to Germany, his stubbornness meant he got his own way. I hope he proves us all wrong. Said Big Sound. I, in in my head, I've got his face, and his face very much says he's I, not going to prove us wrong. I can't work out what he means. It's not like he's taken the easy option there. He's gone to another country. No, but I think it was to get experience of English football, of the Premier League, I guess, and English football, and by staying in this country, no, instead of going to Germany, so, where the yeah. style of football is different and everything. Yeah, but I think I think it will be great for his development. I agree. Arsenal completely. just bought a, a player who's been in Germany. He seems to be doing pretty well. Yeah, and I like why. What's wrong by going to Leipzig and playing yeah. in Bundesliga instead of what going to West Bromwich Albion with Alan Pardew? I'm sorry, but I would rather go to Ralph Hassan Hutton in Leipzig and mm. play in the Bundesliga than play for West Brom and Alan Pardew like uh, like Sturridge, for example. Mm. I he hasn't played much since he's gone to West Brom, but I I spoke a bit with Oli Burke after okay. Emirates Cup at the start of the season, and he was yeah full of praise for the way Hassan Hutton Hassan Hutton good for me uh, was developing him was kind of giving him time on the training ground he kind of he played in the Emirates Cup up front whereas he'd been used to playing out wide and he was full of praise for for how he was developing in Leipzig obviously left a couple of weeks later so that yeah. maybe undermined the point of touch <laughs> well that, that famous they were full of praise for him I think the phrase that Rafa uh, quoted was a uh, a blank hard drive. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm not sure it was the. Uh... Actually, on the subject of English players abroad, uh, Marcus McGuan, oh, yeah. the young lad who's gone to Barca B, I believe, came on and changed the game and scored a goal yeah. uh, in the uh, in their second division game. So I think it's one of the things over the years that has probably held English football back that we haven't had enough players going abroad. So mm. good luck to anyone who takes us. Steph. Well, Adam Lutman, he certainly had a brilliant debut, didn't he? While we're incredible. on the subject, yeah, incredible. Uh, where Gladbach, where he came on for the last, I think, twelve minutes and scored ten minutes later on the counter attack, Nabi Keita with the ball, and it's a lovely finish. And they seem very happy with him. They seem that they have. They had uh, identified him mm. even when he was at Charlton by you know oh, yeah? the Red Bull group, yeah, and they've they've been following a lot, and they just couldn't believe their luck that he was actually available on loan. So I think they would have liked to maybe have a close to buy him, um, but it's not in there for now. So uh, I think it's just a strict loan, mm. but it's done really well so far. Also in the Bundesliga this weekend, Jules, as you probably know, Michi Bacuai, uh, who's just gone there on loan from from Chelsea to uh, Dortmund, taking Aubameyang's place. Scored twice, set up Andre Schürrle for the winner. 3-2 win for Dortmund at Cologne. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Did you hear his post-match comments? No, what did he say? Yeah. He said, it's no wonder that I'm doing well in uh, black and yellow. I love Batman and Spongebob. Brilliant. <laughs> Which I thought was excellent. <laughs> Do you remember when we were doing that show on BT Sports and he was at Marseille, he had that rucksack with Spongebob when he was arriving at the uh-huh. at the ground so everybody had the Louis Vuitton wash bag or the Gucci wash bag and he has the Spongebob uh, rucksack right okay it's pretty cool and De Rossi's got a Peppa Pig tattoo yes yeah exactly yeah, first player to score on his Bundesliga score twice on his Bundesliga debut since Aubameyang really 
But the assist, can we? It's, it's not an assist, yeah. He's on the halfway line. It's yeah. a sideways pass to Schorler, who then runs for 30 yards and has a shot deflected. Okay, fair enough. So two goals, I take them, yep. not the assist. Not the assist. Bayern are now 18 points clear. They've just won their 10th game in a row. This one 2 0 over Mainz. Leverkusen are second ahead of Leipzig on goal difference. We'll talk about France in a bit, Jules. Yeah. But first, let's tackle that Burnley Man City game. A 1-1 draw. Ted Nutson pointing out, Sean Dyche has taken points off every team in the top five this season with Burnley. Didn't know that. That is very impressive. Yeah. How does he do it, Michael? Well, they were very well organised defensively yesterday, which mm. I think we always say about Burnley. But to give them credit, you know, it was a relatively late equaliser, but the goal had been coming. You know, he did sense it. And I think that's credit to them. It wasn't a counter-attack or a set piece. They had put pressure on. Um, yeah, that's... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's impressive about the defensive side this season is that he's managed to keep the consistency through personnel issues. So mm. uh, Ward, the first choice left back, has been out All for that ages. Back four was out pretty much. Now, Lowton just came back uh, from well, he was injured and then couldn't get his place back, but came on for Bardsley and crossed. Obviously, Michael Keane left in the summer. You had Tarkovsky injured yesterday. So he's not just... Yeah, exactly. So last season, he was doing it with pretty much the same five players week in, week out. And yet he's... Three or four of those players have changed. And, you know, these aren't brilliant players. I don't think Kevin Long is an exceptional defender by any means, but he does a job within that system just because the instructions are so clear and the shape is is so well honed. Fair enough. That said... It should have been a 2-1 win for City, no, had it not been for that extraordinary miss from Raheem Sterling. Yeah. He wasn't so busy buying houses for his mother and that. <laughs> 50k a week, Raheem Sterling. Yeah. Or probably more so, than that now. No, more than no, that. I think yeah, a little bit more, more than that. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, uh, big fan. It can happen to anyone, even Raheem Sterling. Yeah. It shouldn't happen to anyone. Uh, really? Bizarre. Oh, well. He's done that so well, getting himself in the positions, though, this season. As as I think I've mentioned before, a lot of his goals have been from point-blank range. Um, Obviously, that was the main story for City's City's perspective. But I thought Sergio Aguero had a really poor game and it showed why Guardiola seems to be looking to move away from him. Poor in what what sense? Movement? He just has no sense of linking with teammates. There was two examples in the first half where Sterling was in a good position Aguero didn't find him and Sterling was really exasperated. And then an incident in the second half where it seemed like Aguero knew he'd made the wrong decision before, so then made the the wrong wrong decision or the other wrong decision where he should have shot and he played a pass to Sterling that was behind him and the ball went over the oh, bar. Yeah. And I just wonder with Aguero, I mean, Guardiola is someone who likes taking players and, and coaching them and turning them into something different. I don't think Aguero is any different at the age of 29 or whatever he is, from when he was 21, 22. He's just, he's that kind of player who plays off instinct and I'm not right. really sure that's what Guardiola likes. He was pretty good at 21 though, I guess. Uh, he, no, don't he's get me wrong. Good, he was yeah, always, yeah. He's I always been a great goal scorer, but I don't think he has the link play that Guardiola wants. Right, Can okay. we yeah. just flag up Cal sure. Walker, superb defending on the Burnley goal, where oh, voilà. you have one job, basically. Mm. Just, there's Goodmanson there and he looks at him, he, say, he knows he's there mm. and then again, it's like, God knows what he's thinking. Forgets completely that there's actually marking to do, and I just, I just can't understand at that level, as someone like him, make those kind of mistakes. It's just like tired. No, that's not even tiredness. I'm sorry. And that game was maybe not... he's worrying about the the fact there were only six subs on the on the bench. Maybe he's only worried there were six <laughs> points. Yeah, uh, but it's just for me one of those mistakes that you surely can't be happening. Right. It's as bad as the Raheem Sterling miss for me. Okay. Yeah. They've got a week off at Man City before the next game, which very rarely happens to them. In fact, it's only the third time this season, apart from international breaks, that they haven't had a midweek game. How about that? Wow. And Kevin De Bruyne explaining about how pooped he was afterwards. They've got four days off, haven't they? And uh, they're allowed to travel, I think. Oh, they, you haven't? Is that yeah, right? They've been yeah. given four days off? Yeah, four days off and they're allowed to travel, which right. the players were not sure after what happened to Aguero when he went to Amsterdam and Absolutely, had that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, But they're allowed to travel. So in the next few days, I think we see loads of photos of... People in Dubai on the beach, uh, people in Marbella, maybe. Um, I think they would all go somewhere. Very nice. Pretty hot. Mm. Men and ladies of the Totally Football Show, why waste time going to the shop to buy overpriced quadruple bladed vibrating turbo razors and making the likes of Thierry Henry and Roger Federer even richer by doing so? Instead, head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally and pick up a personally engraved razor and six super sharp blades delivered right to your door for just £4. 
There are no gimmicks with Cornerstone, just a closer, smoother shave than ever before. And it doesn't just work on your face either. I used it on Jimbo's head before we started recording. Mmm. Head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally to see for yourself. And if you don't love your first Cornerstone shave, they'll give you your money back, no questions asked. League 1. Yes. Now, there were lots of interesting things here. Marseille with a big 6-3 win over Mets. Florian Thauvin with the hat-trick. He's oh, no. having an amazing really? season that yeah. Newcastle reject, really, mm. where I don't think they gave him the time and the, the, the attention that he needed at the time when he was quite young, to be fair, to develop his talent at the club. Instead, they sent him back very quickly to Marseille, which I think was a big mistake from Newcastle. But 13 goals, 10 assists. Only Neymar has... Uh, better stats this season in, in France in both goals and assists combined and no other French players in the whole of Europe has better stats than Tova. Is that right? Yeah. So Marseille, courtesy of that win, are well, they stay second and they are 11 points behind Paris Saint-Germain who beat Lille 3-0? 3-0, yeah, yeah, with an amazing free kick by Neymar and then an even better goal by Giovanni Lo Celso. If you don't know him, he's a young Argentinian a midfielder who arrived last year in January for only 10 million euros. Uh-huh. People didn't really know what to make of him, didn't play much the last six months of last season. And he's starting to play more in the holding role that is not really his, but he had a lovely chip over the keeper at oh. the edge of the box. That was just simply amazing. So that's Giovanni Lo Celso, is that yeah. right? And also they had uh, Yuri Belshish, who also scored. Yes, the first who goal. Who I yeah. equally have never heard of before. Is this is um, Emery rotating his squad ahead of the big Paris Saint-Germain, uh, uh, the Real Madrid clash in the Champions yeah, League? Yes, there's a bit of that, but I think there's also a bit of... Um, uh, competition in there so he said to Bershish show me that you're better than Kyozawa uh-huh. and I'll pick you I think on the other side Muni and Alves is not really a match because Alves will, will always play that kind of games but same with Lo Celso you know Lo Celso Thiago Mota is coming back La Sanadiara is there now and played quite well when he came on against Lille on Saturday so that position there is pretty much open although Thiago Mota probably for the experience has a bit of a, an advantage on the other two but you never know so I think there's a bit of that mm. Same with Di Maria because Kylian Mbappe got sent off in midweek against Rennes in the uh, League Cup. So he missed that game on Saturday. Di Maria played. Arthur did well again. So again, there'll be a bit of competition for that position with Neymar and Cavani up front against Real Madrid. So a bit of rotation, but also in the back of his head, a bit of show me what you can do and you know, I can still pick you for the Real Madrid game. Yeah. Real Madrid drew this weekend, of course. It was against uh, Levante, wasn't it? Yeah, with Pazzo. With Pazzini scoring. Pazzini scoring. Equalising. Yeah. Wow. So, but uh, Barcelona also drew, which means they stay 19 points behind them. What, what's really exciting, though, is that they're only two points ahead of the team in fifth, Real Madrid, only two points ahead of Villarreal. So that whole scenario of them having to win the Champions League to be in the Champions yeah. League next year, it's very much on. It is. and They've got a game in hand, to be fair to them. So they might be a bit further out. But yeah, and surely against Levante... Those two huge mistakes by Sergio Ramos at the back were absolutely dreadful. They, they haven't been defending well at all all season and they keep missing chances um, up front as well, which is not what we use of Real Madrid. But just for Barcelona, it's, it's a draw against Espanyol. There's the mm. PK controversy a bit because he tells people to shush. But also it's the 22nd game unbeaten this season, which is, is a right? new club record because mm. Pep only did 21 in 0-9-10, I think. We mean from the start of the season onward, they, they did better you know, on the length of the season. But from start to, to where they are now, 22 in a row is, is a new club record. Right, and of course they're facing Chelsea. Yeah. Very really interesting. Uh, got more French stuff to ask you about. Yeah. One, what's happened to Tony Chapron, who, listeners, you will recall, was the referee who responded to uh, falling to the ground by lashing out <laughs> at an innocent footballer. Yes, he got a three-month ban, plus another three suspended. Right. Uh, which means that he will come back on May the 9th. So six months ban. Yeah, six months ban, three of them being suspended, so just three. And this is this was going to be his last season, so he was going to retire at the end of this season. Uh-huh. So I think the idea from the discipline committee was to give him just one more game. Right. So he'd be still eligible for the last game of the season to finish in a better way than finish on that incredible behaviour that he had in that non-PhD game. Okay. George, the other thing was Sunday night's clash between Monaco and Lyon at the Stade Louis II, where Monaco went two goals down, dragged themselves back into the game, then had a man sent off, yeah. and still managed to win. Incredible. It was just incredible. And I'm saying Ligue 1 has been fantastic this season. Oui. 
Uh, all those games between the biggest team, the PSG against Marseille was amazing. The Marseille-Monaco was amazing. The Monaco-Marseille was great. We've had three Monaco-Lyon or Lyon-Monaco, two in the league and one in the League Cup. They all finished 3-2, all with last-minute goals or, you know, in the, in the last five minutes, something happening. And last night was exactly that. Lopez going against Lopez in the dying minutes of the game when Monaco were down to 10, like you said. Ronnie Lopez. Ronnie Lopez to Anthony Lopez. It was just fantastic. It was a great, great game, great publicity for French football, I think. And Lyon, with loads of regrets because they gifted that game. Monaco deserved to win, but Lyon in the second half when they were 11 against 10 just stopped playing. All right. So, Monaco third then in Ligue 1. Third, right? yeah. Third. Marseille second. Paris Saint-Germain 11 points clear. Jack, do you know, um, actually, what is the sort of second most competitive title race? Because obviously, Serie A is the, the one really competitive title race with... Napoli and Juve still just one point apart. But you know, what's the second most competitive title race right now? In the world? Well, let's say in Europe. <sighs> You're going to be surprised, Jack, when I say it's the SPL. Wow. Damn. <laughs> they are down to a nerve-shredding, a nail-biting eight points now. <laughs> between, no, between Celtic and Aberdeen. You forgot Portugal, though. Oh, how, what's that there? That's Two really tight, isn't between it? Yeah, Porto and Benfica. And okay, third, third most competitive. <laughs> uh, Kilmarnock beat Celtic. That's only the second defeat for Brendan Rodgers since he moved north, and it leaves the hoops eight points clear of Aberdeen. There you go. That's all my Scottish info. I've repeated it twice. <laughs> just going to pad it out a bit more. Uh, anyway. Uh, in Italy, inter can, can, yep. can I ask my question about my stats? And oh, then, and then at the end, you give me your answers. Sure. Yeah. Question is, in the top five European leagues, so France, Italy, Spain, Germany and England, which is the league with the most nil-nil so far this season? Oh, that's fascinating. So you can think about it, think about it, and then later in the show, we, we reveal the answer. All right. Jack, do you need to think about that? Well, my Jack theory knows. would be that it's, that it's Ligue 1 because... Each Monday, yeah. their YouTube channel publishes a little video with all the goals, and right. often there are only six or seven games on it. Because the others are the other goal. Really. Trust me, if the answer was Liga, I wouldn't brag about it, man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Michael, any thoughts? It's not Liga. We know that now. <laughs> I, I get. I, I've no idea. Actually. It's going to be a I've surprise, no so I'm going to say Premier League. But we'll we'll, we'll, see. we'll, we'll, we'll come. We'll, be we'll come back to that later on if you can bear the. The, the tension, listeners. Uh, yeah, Italy. We'll talk about Italy anyway. In, in Golazzo, which will be back on Wednesday. Looking forward to one of the classic Serie A fixtures, which is coming up this Friday when Juventus take on Fiorentina. Yeah. That'd be big, eh? Uh, in the Football League, Leeds have said goodbye to Thomas Christensen. A 4-1 defeat at the hands of Neil Warnock's Cardiff, ending his brief spell at Ellen Road. That and more things like Derby's 11-game unbeaten run will be discussed in the Totally Football League show, which is up on Tuesday with Ian McIntosh. Villa just had the sixth win on the bounce. That takes them up to third now in the Championship. Sunderland, meanwhile, have had their fourth defeat in five, which keeps them in penultimate spot. Of course, a lot of people this weekend were really excited about the goings-on in the National Football League. And uh, we've got a question about that. Gareth Leach, who says, will, will Wrexham now go on and win the National League. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, they had a 2-0 win at Geisley. So they've gone joint top with incredible Macclesfield. What are your thoughts, AC Jimbo? We need some non-league love on the Totally Show. It's ever so interesting down there. But you talked about the leagues that are the most competitive at the yeah. top. The National League it's, even. They've no, changed like... No one is more competitive than they've this. They've changed 20 times the... the, the at least yeah. that's just Incredible. this week it's really yeah. good uh, so just to give you the info on how tight it is Michael <laughs> the top four teams that's uh, Wrexham Macclesfield Aldershot and Tranmere Rovers are separated by just two points and the entire top eight are only separated by six crazy I'm actually going to be at Aldershot's game this coming Saturday they're going to be at Dagenham and Redbridge who are not that far out of the picture uh, and that's going to be huge. My friend, Saturday evening. My friend yes. Stephen, yep. who's actually family, but he's going to a, he's going to a mystery tour. Do you know what a mystery tour is? A non-league mystery tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what? Isn't I'm the not... point of a mystery tour that you don't know what it is? No, no yeah, but you have you have to know a bit if you're going <laughs> yeah, on it. You wouldn't okay. go on it. It's, I think it's amazing. I didn't. What Michael, is, it, what is a non-league mystery tour? Then? So you you go to the London Eye. Yes. That's your meeting point. Okay. There's a there's a minibus I believe that comes and pick you up with. 15 other people, I think he's 16. 
Yeah. So you can bring your mate with you, but overall, there'll be 16 people there, and yep. they take you to a non-league match. You don't know which one. They give you a, a pint of beer and a pie during the match and a ticket for the match, and then they drive you back to the London Line, and then you go home. Why don't you just go to the game you'd like to go to? Why don't you look at the fixtures and go, that looks interesting, I'll go to but that one. But if your club is not in non-league, what, like, you wouldn't know. So, like, you know, why going to... I'm not sure I get it. It's a bit like secret no cinema where you don't know what film you're going to see. I, I, I just don't get it that. It sounds like one of those team-building exercises in which offices of people are abducted for right. bizarre reasons. I thought it was great. I thought it was it great. It probably is great. Have you done it, mate? That's why you... unimaginative. No, I, I'm aware of it, though. I'm aware of it. Mm. I think I've been to a game where there was... <laughs> one of these tours actually right um, listeners if you've been on one and had a great time do write in and yes, let me know we'll be I'm happy to correct that slightly negative reaction that we had um, also listeners if you're in and around the Dublin area then and you fancy joining us on Monday March the 19th you need to get over to ticketmaster.ie where tickets are almost literally flying out the door to see myself Julianne our friend James Horncastle and our very special guest DJ Pat Nevin who will also be DJing uh, that's all happening in Totally Football Live in Dublin on Monday March 19th go buy tickets etc if you're not busy this Friday at 12.30 GMT then perhaps you might like to join us on our Facebook page facebook.com the Totally Football Show where we're going to be doing our first ever Totally Football Facebook Live quiz how does it work? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's hopefully it will. Or come and watch a car crash of a kind of yeah. Facebook Live experiment. I don't know. Uh, 12.30 on Friday. What can you win? Well, uh, Jules, there's all sorts of prizes. There's books. I'm guessing shaving kits. Oh, yeah. Shaving kits, yeah. yeah. And, oh, football manager games. Oh, nice. And other stuff as well. Uh, Peter Bo Jorgensen uh, we've got an ongoing conversation about middle fart. Uh, <laughs> he says, read the Danish channel middle fart. Most of the details provided by Mr. Priest were absolutely correct, including that the Danish meaning of the word fart is speed, but also motion or travel. Uh, middle fart thus refers to the city's geographical placement roughly in the middle of Denmark, because, you know, middle of your travels. Although, says Peter in brackets, the shape and size of Denmark has shifted quite a few times since the founding of the town, sometimes in the 14th century. He hasn't finished. Your talk made me think of an anecdote from a visit by your dear queen to Denmark a few years ago. Elevators in Denmark containing a button which reads I fart, which means in motion, had to be covered up for Her Majesty's visit. What? Right. That's so, amazing. So if you go, so according to Peter Bo Jorgensen, uh, if you go in an, an elevator in Denmark, there is a button that says I fart, which must be really tempting to press. <laughs> That's brilliant, isn't it? Oh, dear. That's the last place you want a fart, really, isn't it? In a, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something rotten in the state of Denmark. <laughs> eh? Tweet us at The Totally Football Show and find us on Facebook, also at The Totally Football Show. Oh, thanks to the only MT. Do you remember we were talking about Africa Cup of Nations nicknames? Yes. No. Yes. yes. Okay. So he's gonna. He, pro he produced a chart. You know, take the first letter of your first name. And I think he's kind of. I think he's rigged it because my com mine comes out as cantankerous warthogs. But thanks for taking the time. <laughs> Tom Robinson, though, I was getting excited, Jack, about the um, witches of the South, Benevento's nickname, and possibly overstating the case by saying it was the best nickname in in football. Tom Robinson's here to correct me. I, I don't think it's that Tom Robinson, by the way, or that one actually, or TRB. For, mm. Older listeners. Uh, on the subject of good club nicknames, says Tom, South America can always be relied upon. Newell's nickname is The Lepers and Rosario Central, The Scoundrels. This is fabulous. He d and then he came back a bit later on with another post which contains um, Chacharita Juniors, who are the Undertakers. Well. I'm not sure where they're from. Bragantino, uh, the clockwork sausage. Deportivo... <laughs> clockwork sausage. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he might be making these up. He must on. be making these up. Deportivo Cali, he says, of the green whirlwind. Does that sound right to you? My favourite is Ceará in the north of Brazil, who are, okay. who are called the granddad. The granddad. <laughs> Which I suppose is like the old lady, no, in, yeah. in Italy. Yeah. Okay, so I think probably there's other ones that he's made them up, hasn't he? There's a, there's a good one in the Northern Premier League in, okay. in England, if you're interested. Stamford AFC. Yes. They're called the Daniels. Okay. And you think, why are they called that? Well, 
Uh, according to Wikipedia, that's obviously where I did my research. Uh, their nickname, the Daniels, comes from Daniel Lambert, reputedly the fattest man in English history, uh, who died in Stamford and is buried in St. Martin's Churchyard, close to their former ground. Right. Wow. Just the fattest man in British history. What a great nickname. I know. Yeah. Okay. A good one would be South America also has some fantastic stadium names. Okay. Think about Brazil. There's one that's called the Little Alligator Stadium. There's uh, my favourite is it's called the Princess's Golden Earring. There's genuinely a stadium <laughs> yeah. called the Princess's Golden Earring. Yeah. Say that in Portuguese. O brinco de ouro da princesa. Oh, that's really nice. It's so. funny because names, place names in in Brazil tend to be very very literal. Like you've got Big River of the North mm-hmm. and uh, Big River of the South. Reefs, because there are reefs there. Beautiful Horizon. Beautiful Horizon. And then I, I love the state, which is just called General Mines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your favourite French nickname then, Jules? Uh, Lorient, the Cods. The Cods? Yeah, Neem, the Crocodiles. Neem are called the Crocodiles. Yeah. Why? It's hard. Apparently, long, long time ago, in 1500 or something like that, uh-huh. there was an invasion of crocodiles coming from somewhere. Seriously? In the town itself, so in before Nîmes. there was yeah, before there was any football, and the crocodiles used to be on the city's crest actually. Like again, the city, not the football club. Uh-huh. It's been taken out of the the city's crest, I, th- I believe, but the the football club kept it. So they they called the crocodiles yeah, the crocos. Any other nickname news before we move on? <laughs> that's, that's good. That's for brilliant. Me. That's what I've got. Really enjoy that. Listeners, if you've got any nicknames, <laughs> you know, nice ones, not made up ones, do let us know. We'll take another little break and then we'll be back with the rest of the weekend's Premier League action. Who went to Palace Newcastle this weekend? That'll be me. Jack Lang, you were there. You you had a pitch invasion and everything. You forced to. Uh, It was semi-voluntary. No, I mean, there's there's plenty to enjoy at Sars Park. One of the most atmospheric grounds in the Premier League. Yeah, I like it. It's good. And that had all the makings of an interesting game. It was was not bad, actually. It was very much a game of two halves Uh in that Newcastle were very, very good in the first half. It felt almost like a, a John Joe Shelby testimonial because of the amount of space he has been given. A lot of the Crystal Palace players just seem to be giving him too much respect. And I think when he has that kind of room, he can take advantage. He's not that mobile, but if you give him a lot of space, he just was spraying passes all over the place. Newcastle looked quite dangerous, really. A bit of a jammy goal in that Crystal Palace defended a corner terribly. But in the second half, Newcastle just seemed to run out of steam and Palace pushed on. I think they probably could have won if they were had a little bit more about them in attack. Christian Benteke again was both wasteful and just obviously shorn of confidence. And But I, I think Roy Hodgson deserved a bit of credit because he, he started with Wilfred Zaha up front. It didn't really work. Moved into the left and that just really sorted them out because you had then James MacArthur who is an odd player. I don't they think he's amazing but he's quite good in that weird little central sniffer outer of chances truffle pig role it's weird mm. but he was quite handy and then they equalised and probably could have got a winner if they had a bit more firepower Okay Palace uh, three points above the drop Newcastle just the one point above the bottom three it is of course ever so tight everyone from Watford in 11th down within three points of relegation, which is remarkable. Watford, though, can improve that this evening, or their particular predicament, when they uh, host Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea, who've been hitting the headlines because Antonio Conte's been asking the club to give a public show of support. Why, why would you do that? I don't know. Well, usually a vote of confidence means that you're getting sacked in two weeks, mm. doesn't it? So I don't know why you'd ask for one. Yeah, curious. What else happened this weekend? Leicester took on Swansea, who got another good result, 1-1. They're at the King Power. That's seven without defeat for Swansea. You do have a bit of an issue because uh, Leroy Fur and also uh, Wilfred Boney, both out for the season. I mean, yeah, you first... were questioning... Who, sorry, someone was questioning why they bought Andy King. That was me. So, oh, yes. Right. So, he, he might come into play now that Fur's out. Fur's been very good the last few weeks, actually. So, right. that's a big blow for them. King's a different type of player. But, yeah, maybe that is signing is looking better than I thought last week. OK. And uh, Riyad Mahrez, who wasn't, again, featured in this team... Uh, does this mean that he genuinely did say to them that he's not going to play for them anymore? I'd be surprised if he didn't come back, but he's clearly having a big uh, a big strop. Yeah. On Swansea as well, did you see those Paul Clement quotes? No, what did he say? About Renato Sanchez. Oh. He said, he explained how he'd kind of 
persuaded Bayern to let him come on loan to Swansea when there were other clubs interested. Did he get a phone call from George Ware or something? Or well, no, I think he put in a call to Carlo Ancelotti. And All right. I, by what he said, he said it semi-jokingly and Ancelotti at first kind of laughed and then a couple of weeks later said, actually, yeah, we probably quite a good idea. But he said that Sanchez looked, to, well, to use Clement's word, damaged. Ooh. And he said that he seemed to have the weight of the world on his shoulders and that he'd kind of got into a, a reinforcing cycle of... Uh, errors that yeah. damaged his confidence which then led to more errors and a yeah, vicious circle of negativity didn't, didn't sound good that doesn't sound good so poor Renato Sanchez I do hope he finds a, a happier place in, in, in both a literal and metaphorical sense but it doesn't seem to be Swansea does it uh, anyway so that was a 1-1 draw Swansea remain uh, well they're now outside the bottom three only by goal difference but they are outside the bottom three uh, Stoke are inside the bottom three by virtue of their goal difference after they got beaten by Bournemouth 2-1 Bournemouth are on a terrific run now. You a fan of Eddie Howe? Of course, you know? yeah. Oui? Of okay. course. And Richard Hughes, our friend Richard Hughes, who's the sporting director there. Mm. Oh, by the way, and you know, it's slightly relating to that, when we were talking about Chelsea and all that, the rumours that Maurizio Sarri is their next candidate, is, is their kind of favourite to take over there, do seem to be gathering volume or speed or whatever it is that rumours gather particularly as uh, Richard was revealing that uh, Sadi in the last 18 months has learnt to speak English all of a sudden. Mm. And, uh, and he has a release clause in his contract as well, which means that even if Napoli don't want to let him go, mm. if the release clause is activated, then he, he could go. And he said that he's in no rush to renew that Yeah, I that think deal. I, I think the impression is that Napoli are quite happy to take the money. I think they, if they win the league this yeah. year, which they could be They'll for the first disappear. time since '87, it yeah. sounds like Sarri will know that he can't do more than mm. winning the league against this kind of Juventus team. And then maybe you leave on a high like that. Maybe Mertens, who also has a very affordable release clause, would go as well. And then you start thinking it's the right time to go. It's the end of a cycle, and you finish that cycle by winning the league. So yeah, very possibly if they win the league, just one point yeah, ahead of, yeah, it's of be Juventus. Right. Okay. Anyway, uh, oh, Man United beat. Uh, Huddersfield 2-0 in front of the usual apathetic Old Trafford crowd. When will the, the, the supporters start doing their bit, Michael? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, Mourinho keeps banging this drama. I find it quite tedious. But... Good, we'll move on then. Yeah, yeah. he, he specifically cited Portsmouth as an example of a club that, that yes. gets, gets a proper push from their fans. It was nice for him to cite something unusual, <laughs> a name we haven't heard of in Premier League terms for a while. The thing I didn't like about that game was... I don't think you should do a knee slide if you score a rebound from your own safe penalty. OK, that's fair. That's Alexis yeah. Sanchez. You should, the only celebration you should do would be like a phew. Right. That kind of but thing. But Alexis Sanchez doesn't live by your rules. No, and, and rightly so. It's probably what, uh, what spurred him on. Because Falcao scored last night on yeah. the rebound of his own penalty. Didn't, 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 didn't Did you do a knee slide? No. Oh, well, thank goodness. In yeah, his yeah. case, that would be a very he looked Like Michael said, he looked idea. more relieved than anything else. To yeah. Say. It was nice Jack. that Sanchez went from playing one-twos with Ozil to one-twos with Lozil. Ooh, that's oh, nice. Oh, that's nice. That's Harry Met Salah level, that is. <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, might have to redo the intro, that's that good. <laughs> uh, well, how big a news was it that uh, Paul Pogba was dropped to the bench? It's big news, and I don't like it. I don't like it. I think as a player of his status, you can disagree with your manager. Clearly, they had a disagreement against Spurs. Um, and I know he was not good, although I thought he started well. Um, I just, I just don't get the the whole. It's the cow and the stick. No, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that kind of thing. Mourinho seems quite happy because Pogba, when he came on, in fairness, did really well. I just don't think he needed to do that. Okay. But it was nice to see the lad uh, McTominay getting oh, run yeah. out. Yeah. Mourinho was criticised for not using young players. What? A ch- that was a Super Bowl esque tackle. Yeah, that wasn't very pleasant. That was not nice. Who was it who went in on him? Uh, Congolo, was it? Yeah, Congolo, I think so. Yeah. Wow. But he, he looks a good player. I didn't see this game, I must say, but um, from the game against Yeovil, I know it was only Yeovil, but he's just got this kind of presence on the ball and confidence on the ball that you just... He's an attractive player to watch, I think. Mm. It's been a flip. bad week for West Ham, by the way, because uh, Masuaku banned six games for spitting... Uh, dumped out the FA Cup, of course. Then they sacked their director of uh, recruitment, Tony Henry, who was apparently a close ally of, of, of David Moyes over those very well, bizarre comments about their transfer policy and what kind of players they liked. One other game, Saints 3-2 win away at West Brom, which keeps the baggies bottom. One win in 12 matches 
Frank Lampard you in the league. And they got Chelsea away next. Crikey. It's first win in 12 for Pellegrino. Is it all going to come good for him down there on the south coast, you think? I think it will. I think they've been playing slightly better than results would suggest. Um, that was a classic six-pointer because mm. there's now six points difference between the two of them. Ah. Obviously, had it gone the other way, they would have been level on points. Uh, great goal from Lamina. It was also pleased to see another goal from Ward-Prowse and another yeah. goal from Jack. And what a great goal it was. Yeah, it? and another goal from Jack Stevens because I think uh, it's those kind of players that really have to step up for Southampton now. You know, there's been a few signings that have come in and done all right, but, it, you know, Southampton's strength has always been developing those young players. I thought Ward-Prowse was a player who... He looked promising, but I wasn't really sure about his end product. It's been aside a while from, they've been talking about him as a big potential yeah, player. I think he needed to, to give more an open play and um, wasn't quite sure what he contributed in open play. But if he's going to turn into a kind of goal-scoring midfielder, almost an Aaron Ramsey type player, then I think that's very much what Southampton need because they don't have a prolific striker despite their uh, uh, signing of uh, Carrillo, Jules's favourite up <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he almost scored, which I probably would have, I've got, I would have got a lot of abuse then. By Southampton fans. No. Don't abuse Jules, people. He's lovely. What's coming up midweek? Well, you've got Spurs taking on Newport County at Wembley. Yeah. Who else is doing fourth round replays, Jules? Uh, Birmingham, Huddersfield now. Is that right? Swansea, Notts County. Ooh, that's a big one. Rochdale, Millwall, maybe. No? Great games that, like yeah. that taking place this that's midweek. Great so, plenty of stuff happening. And of course, we'll be talking about those on Thursday. Very shortly, Jules, you will be revealing. The answer to your trivia question. First, though, let's get the odds from Paddy Power with Ian McIntosh. Thanks, James. I've got Paddy Power on the line. Paddy, how are you? I'm great, Ian. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Quite a weekend, wasn't it? It was uh, pretty exciting, yeah. I mean, everything from a big racing family, a big racing in, in Dublin. Then Ireland obviously beat France with that last gasp, Johnny Sexton kick. And then the football wasn't bad either. It was pretty good. Yeah, to be, yeah. And the Super Bowl, perhaps Super Bowl. Yeah, good weekend. I can't believe I'm still married. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of goals. Uh, Harry Kane scored, Mo Salah scored, Raheem Sterling kind of could have scored. Uh, what's that done for the odds for top goal scorer in the Premier League? Uh, well, top goal scorer. I think Harry Kane is just. It was number a hundred, wasn't it? Uh, and he's uh, he's four tonight. Very short price, but probably rightly so. He is unstoppable at the minute, and he, and he also just seems pretty durable, like injury free as well. But he's four to nine now for top scorer. Mo Salah seven to two. Probably putting putting himself up there for player of the year anyway. Mo Salah. Uh, Aguero's in there at six to one. He would have been hot favourite at the start of the year, and it's like a hundred to one variety. So it's a hundred to one outside those three. But it looks very likely to be Kane, and I think Salah and Aguero are the only dangers to him. Right, well, first up for Tottenham, they've got to get past Newport. They were not not the best at the beautifully named Rodney Parade. Um, but the replay at Wembley, what can we get on a Newport win? You can get rich if it happens because <laughs> it's 25-1 uh, to 1 for a Newport win. And you got to think just... I mean, even the way Spurs, got, the, the way the game went for them uh, yesterday, I mean, you just think that they're just, they're so full of confidence, aren't they? And I know, like, the, you tend to have one chance of springing an upset, and I think that chance might be missed. So I think Spurs are, are like, absolute certainties. I was going to say they're a penalty kick, but they've been missed, haven't they? <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, Everton, things are not looking good for Everton. Absolutely battered by Arsenal at the weekend. Um, Big Sam, he's always quite proud of the fact he's never been relegated. Odds on that turning around this year? Yeah, I think I'd, like, I, I can't see it, to be honest. I think he probably just sacrificed the result, didn't he? Like Looking look at it, sort of more winnable games, that's the way Sam is. He's pretty strategic and he, he knows his goal is not to entertain, it's just to, to survive. And they're 33-1 to 1 to go down. So it's very, there's a lot worse teams than Everton, I think, at the moment. I know the fans are going bananas after just a, the one hammering, especially by Arsenal, who are pretty rubbish as well recently. So, But, uh, but yeah, they're 33-1, to 1. I don't think they'll be going down. Okay, Um, Real Madrid probably not going to go down. They might not finish in the top four. They're 19 points off Barcelona. They're only two clear of Villarreal in fifth. What can we get on Real Madrid not making the top four and thus not making the Champions League? Yeah, the weird thing about this is that this is the first time I've ever realised, and obviously it makes sense. I never even knew that there was the same rules for La Liga. I just, I just presume Barcelona and Real Madrid are in the Champions League every year, you know. But obviously they have to finish top four. And I wonder is it a real change to the guard over there? Like Barcelona have the league sewn up already. I think they're one to two hundred to win it now, and Real Madrid can't win it. They're too far back. Now the good thing is that it's between themselves and Villarreal, as I said, and there's a, there's a couple of points if they're clear of the of the rest. Then so it's a it's a straight shootout between Real Madrid, and I think they they'd have to be favourites, so they'd probably be short enough price three to one on, or four to one on I think to to um, to finish top four so it probably will end up okay for them but um, 
but yeah, it's 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 not great for the fans. And you wanted Zidane might be under a bit of pressure as well. You can find out these odds and more at paddypad.com, 18 plus only, begambleaware.org, and when the fun stops, stop. Now, Julianne, which league has had the most nil-nils this season? The moment that everybody's been waiting for, really. So I go down by the the mm. one in fifth. So right. the, the league well, I, with the I'm less nil-nil. Right, least nil-nils. Yeah, yeah. it's Ligue 1 with 11. Bruh. Then you've got the Bundesliga with 12. Mm. Then you've got Serie A with 15. Get in. Then you get La Liga with 17. It's the Premier League. And the Premier League, the most entertaining league in the world, had 22 nil-nil so far this season. Yeah. Everyone in the Premier League has played about four more matches than all those other leagues. Though. Yeah. Still, 22 yeah, is twice more than I Liga. I have to say, I'm surprised, Julian, and that was more than worth the wait. Uh, that's the end of today's Totally Football show. Unless there's something else you wanted to throw in? Jack? Michael? Julian? All right, then. Listeners, thank you for being with us on this journey into understanding. We'll be doing a similar trip on Thursday. So, you know, it'll be our own little mystery tour, if you like, of football knowledge. Uh, So hopefully you'll be along for that as well. For now, it's many thanks to you all, and we'll catch you soon. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Not nearly enough football league, though. Why don't you give the Totally Football League show a try? You'll find us on Audio Boom, iTunes, all the other places you get your podcasts.